This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Tuesday, June the 18th. I'm your host, D.A. We're 72 hours away from the NBA draft, and everybody knows that Zion Williamson is going number one. The offseason of the NBA never rests, and so now at the draft here, who comes after Zion? Well, the prevailing notion has been that Murray State do everything guard. John Morant is going to end up going number two to the Memphis Grizzlies. But wait a minute! Here is ESPN college basketball analyst Jay Billis, who joined 92.3 The Fan of Cleveland on Bull and Fox as Chico is in for Bull. Maybe it's not a done deal that Morant is a Grizzly. Do they even have a, a real decision here in your mind? Do you think it's John Morant, or would they uh, maybe switch it up a bit and, and go with R.J. Barrett? I think it's a decision. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't uh, agree with those that say it's a no-brainer. I think if you don't do your homework on R.J. Barrett, because uh, I think he's got a chance to be very, very good, you'd be making a mistake. And, you know, because to me, when you make the comparison, if you if you come out unanimously for John Morant, that's helped you, that's helped you not hurt you. So uh, I, would, I would not treat it as a no-brainer. I would, I would certainly uh, uh, evaluate those two guys very carefully. Um, I happened to, to have our uh, uh, to have John Morant rated ahead of R.J. Barrett. That was not the case at the start of the year. I had R.J. Barrett over everybody. He was the number one, sort of number one on the list I keep. But after you know, after I saw Zion Williamson in uh, in Canada this summer, I was like, wait a minute, this is this is a different different bird here. And then uh, you know, I had heard that John Morant had gotten a lot better from last year to this, but. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't see this coming, and uh, so I figured, okay, well, I'll wait till they play Alabama and Auburn, and then see what happens. And uh, and I saw what happened. Uh, he's he's the second best player in this draft. Jay, what's the the deal with with Darius Garland? He he seems to really be jumping up up the the draft board here. And is that enough of a sample size? Well, no, it's not enough. He played five, and it's not enough. But yeah. but you know how good he is because you've seen him play in high school, and if you if you've had reports you know that the doctors are all going to pass their medical staff going to pass on on his conditioning and and sort of uh whether he said knee is sound it was a it was a medial um not a an acl so it's an mcl um so you know he can come back from that in pretty short order that's not that big of a deal generally um i don't think he's rising up draft boards i think he's been up there all the time okay um you know i've i've had him ranked in the top six the whole the whole time um, and, uh, uh, you know, he, he's very, very good, especially in this draft. So, um, you know, it's just a question of, like, I think you can ask a lot of different basketball people that, that you trust to say, hey, where do you rank these guys? And you're going to get a lot of different responses. Um, that's a little bit unusual. Usually there's more of a consensus. 
Um, but that's what's going to make this draft a little bit more interesting um, is, is you don't necessarily know where guys are going to go. Can he be like a Dame Lillard? I doubt it, but you never know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's, he's very talented. Uh, I don't think he's quite the scorer that Lillard was, but he can really shoot it. I mean, Lillard, when he was coming out of, uh, when he was coming out of Weber State, could really, really shoot and really, really score. He just wasn't seen as much. So he's a, he's a very talented player. Personally, I love John Morant. I think what he did with a group of guys at Murray State that clearly was not on his level, brought them to the NCAA tournament, was kind of a national sensation throughout the regular season, and then leading them to a victory and into the round of 32, kind of showed his leadership, his ability, his high-flying, daring-do act. And I think he's going to be really good in today's NBA where it really values speed, athleticism around the perimeter, and getting to the basket using agility and quick twitch muscles. I think that Jaw's going to be phenomenal, and I definitely think the Grizzlies should nab him at number two. Perhaps Barrett is going to be a very good player, but if you're the Grizzlies, I don't think you can pass in a guy like Ja Moran because he does too many things well that I think fits very well in today's NBA. Now, number one overall is going to be Zion Williamson. Not a lot of drama there, and the New Orleans Pelicans winning The lottery was one of the best things ever to happen to this franchise. Zion could be a generational talent. And so with Zion and the haul that they have for what comes back of the Anthony Davis trade, do you use all these draft picks? Do you select a player number four overall, which means that Zion Williamson would have a running bait? You'd have number one and number four in this draft. Or do you perhaps trade that pick, perhaps a player as well, to go out and land a guy like Bradley Beal. Reports from The Athletic have been that they are monitoring a possible trade with Beal and the Wizards. If you're the Wizards, would you trade a guy who's just mid-20s, 25 years old, and average 26 points per game, five assists and five rebounds this year, and seems to be a great locker room guy? Well, here's the sports junkies on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. If I was the GM, I guess I would trade Bradley Beal. But he's always been my guy on the Wizards. Like when John Wall was, and John Wall deserved it, when he was maybe the top sports figure in town because it's before the Caps won the Stanley Cup and he was jumping on the table. And the Wizards seemed to be really close. Wizards were ascending. They made it to a game seven in round two. Yep. Lost the Celtics in that game seven, but they seemed to be on the precipice of something happening. I always felt like Bradley Beal was the better closer. Mm hmm. John Wall did hit that game-winning shot. It's hard to part with the guy who I think is the best player because then you're still going to have John Wall on the roster in right. that contract, that Albatross contract. But Look, there's no doubt it would be difficult to part with Bradley Beal. I mean, he's he's had some really impressive years here as a wizard. But even with John Wall back you know, at 100% or, or close to 100%, hopefully, after the Achilles injury, what is the upside as far as wins for this team? I, I think you just have to move one of the guys, and you're not going to be able to move Wall coming off the injury with the Supermax deal. Nobody's going to touch him. Beal is the only real chip that you have. He's the only desirable piece that other teams want and would give up other assets for. So as much as it would pain me as a Wiz fan to, to deal Beal, I think that's the move that Tommy Shepard and everybody else in that room is going to have to consider, especially before the draft on Thursday. By the way, under contract, the Wizards have five guys under contract. Wall and Beal. Yes. Jan Mahinmi. 
and Dwight Howard right. and Troy Brown. The, the cupboard is pretty bare here in D.C. That That's another reason why I think if you can get a, a nice return for Beal, you've got to deal him. Because the team is just so thin right now. There's just no pieces here. Problem is, if you make a deal with the Pelicans, as you said, they're not going to give up the Zion Williamson pick. Right. They might give up the number four pick in this year's draft. And it seems like people say, those that follow college basketball and the NBA draft, that clearly there's a top two in Zion and John Morant. Mm-hmm. And then there's maybe even a top three throwing R.J. Barrett. And then after that, it's toss-up. Well, then maybe. So you'd be getting that fourth pick, which would be in that area, like the next level. Well, if they love, is it Kobe White out of UNC, the guy who loves to play hoops six days a week? Right. Then if they get that four pick, they'd be able to pick him there. They'd be able to secure him with that yeah. fourth pick. Like if they, if they fall in love with him from the workout, they think he's a nice fit because Wall, as, as you mentioned, is not going to be ready for the start of the season, It may, then it makes sense. Or if they like uh, DeAndre Hunter from Virginia. Could be him, but I, I don't know if you need to move up to four to grab him. I've seen in mock drafts him drafted as high as four. Really? Yeah. He's making a move. I certainly wouldn't want to give him up if I'm the Wizards, but I've got to realize that I can't build a winner as presently constituted. And if I do land Masai Ujiri away from Toronto, which has been a rumor that the Wizards want to aggressively pursue him to be their GM or their EVP, Vice President of Operations, well, then you know what? I want to give him assets. I want to give him draft picks to build the team and his vision. He just won a championship with the Raptors. I don't want to hamstring him. Now, perhaps Bradley Beal is the type of guy that he wants on that roster and that he wouldn't want to trade. But with John Wall's contract and nothing else surrounding this team on the roster being so threadbare, I think it makes sense. And for the Pelicans, it really makes sense. If you can pull off a trade to have Bradley Beal and have Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson on your roster, that's a pretty exciting young little nucleus to start with. In Toronto, they celebrated in the downtown streets, their first NBA championship ever. And you could just tell from all the fans, they were serenading Kawhi Leonard, please stay Kawhi. Is there any way that Kawhi remains a Raptor north of the border? And what's it going to take to convince Kawhi that that's the place that he wants to be? Well, here's Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts on WFAN in New York. I'm only going to cite Chris Carter, the football player, as a, a source or someone Chris to listen Carter, to. Chris uh, Hall of Fame wide receiver. The Hall of Fame wide receiver is now a TV show guy. He's been yep. one of those sports talkies. Right. Okay. He has credibility on Kawhi Leonard because I think he knows Uncle Dennis. Uncle Dennis is Kawhi Leonard's uncle. Who's his business manager? Okay. He's like a father. Uncle Dennis. So when Chris Carter talks about Kawhi, y- you listen because not that he knows what Kawhi's going to do. I don't know if Kawhi knows what he's going to do, but to take a listen to what Chris Carter says, and he said this morning that Kawhi Leonard will consider five teams in free agency and probably meet with all five teams: the Clippers, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Nets, and the Raptors. Which I mentioned earlier because it's obvious they all have cap room. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. sense. I don't know what every team can really offer. That's going to convince Kawhi to go there. Like the Nick offer is, well, you're saving the Knicks, right? That's that's the offer. You're saving the Knicks. You're the franchise. That's that's your pitch to him. I think the Nets pitch is, hey, we got a team, we got a chance to win the East. Yeah, well, that's a better roster around you than what's around you in Toronto. Come here, Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. Karis mm-hmm. LeVert. It's New York City. It's not the Knicks, but it's New York City. Have a chance to win. The owner Joseph Tsai can you know sell his uh, Adidas stuff in China. You could sell him on that. 
The Laker offer is, well, I mean, you're going to join a juggernaut with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But I got to tell you, Joe, I think that's the least appealing place to yeah, go no, if I don't I'm think Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. He's not going there. Yeah. He's not going there. And then you've got he wants the, his own team. He's not going there. Right. And then you've got the Clippers who, you know, somehow made the playoffs this year after they traded their best player. And they've got a good mix of young pieces like Gilgis Alexander, Landry Shamet. They've got the veterans. Lou Williams is always underrated. And he can go there. He could have his own team. The problem is he's in the Western Conference where eventually the Warriors hope to be healthy, where the Trailblazers exist, the Nuggets exist, the Lakers are very good. So I guess when you try to frame it the way you want to, maybe the Knicks and Nets have a half a chance. But I still don't see it. Yeah, no, I don't see it either. I, I, you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays with the Raptors, to be very honest. Is that your prediction? Uh, yeah, I think it is. I, 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 he won't come to the Knicks. He won't. Will he come to the Nets? I don't think so. Will he go to the Lakers? I don't think so. So it's I, the I Clippers think it's or Clip- Raptors, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's it. I, I, I don't see anything else. You know what's so mysterious about this? The reason why maybe you and I shouldn't just 100% give up on it. Not saying be hopeful, but just 100%. No, well, I'm not hopeful. Because nobody knows Kawhi Leonard. That's true. He's a different guy. And so we, we try to figure out what guys are going to do in free agency. And there's been one constant about Kawhi Leonard. Nobody knows. Well, the one thing I think that we're safe to say about Kawhi, I don't think he's a guy that's looking to go pair up for, to some super team. I don't get that with him. Yeah, I don't get that either. Yeah, you know, Maybe because he's I, not close with yeah, anybody. I, 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 you know, I just don't think that's what he's looking to do. Right. So that's, I guess, the unappeal of the Lakers. And, you know, you go to L.A., you're the second guy there. Even if you're better at this right, point in right, your career sure. than LeBron, it's LeBron's yeah, of team. of course. And they don't have the room to offer him a max contract either. It could be just me, but seeing yesterday the happiness on his face and seeing the big smile that he had, and usually Kawhi seems pretty joyless and emotionless, I think there's got to be a little bit of a pull, a little bit of a tug from the city of Toronto. I mean, they obviously love him. He's become a hero there. He won a championship so he can do no wrong. And Kawhi Leonard... I'm sure there's a part of him that wants to be happy. I'm sure there's a part of him that wants to be where he's loved. And if I was his advisors, I would tell him, hey, grass isn't always greener going to a place like New York where if you lose, you will not be beloved. And if you want to win, that is not the place to go. So you could do way worse than sticking around in Toronto and trying to run it back next year with the Raptors. That's for sure. Once upon a time, Rick Patino was a head coach of the NBA. That did not end well. Neither did his stint at Louisville as head coach. And so now he has gone to the Greek League. And Rick Patino, would he be knocking on the door to try to get back into college basketball? Well, he joined Gary Parish in 92.9 in Memphis and admitted that he doesn't think the college basketball wants him anymore. I know that you want to make a decision on your future soon. How do you balance those things, taking this great opportunity that's on the table for you and weighing it against the possibility of returning to college basketball? You know, I don't think college basketball is interested in me anymore. Uh, I have to be realistic. Um, what I've been through the last two situations, I, I, I told people in a book, not until the trial was over did people finally believe in what I said. Um, I've got my faults and limitations like everybody in life does. Um, and there are things I've regretted. The one thing I, the, the things I haven't regretted is I've, I've never cheated one day in college basketball um, as a head coach. I never, I never paid five dollars to attract the player. Um, people who wanted money would never come play for me. I'm too hard on them, too hard on my teams for that type of behavior. Uh, what what one of my assistant coaches did at Louisville was disgraceful, um, and um, 
I don't know if I'll ever be able to forgive him for that. Uh, but as far as the recent developments with the Adidas people and the trial and everything that went on, I had absolutely no knowledge of what they were doing. I was not involved in any way, not on any wiretaps. I took a polygraph to show I was innocent. But I, I don't re- really think that registered with anyone. Or, but uh, when it came down to it, Tommy Lasorda said something. I read a quote, and it really is true. He said, 80% of the people in this world really don't care about your problems, and the other 20% are glad you have them. <laughs> so with, with that in mind, I, I really don't take myself too serious. I, I don't think college is in, in for me anymore, uh, although I love the game, love coaching the game, would love to win another championship. Uh, there were a lot of opportunities this year, and, and, and no, nobody came calling. And I understand why they didn't come calling, because the trial wasn't over. My name was linked by the FBI and the prosecutors in a complaint. Uh, it was done the wrong way because they had all the evidence that finally, when the trial came about, they had all the evidence to exonerate me, but they still put me and Jim Laranega in a complaint to garner publicity for their case, which, I, I, to tell you the truth, wasn't much of a case at all. Man, that's kind of hard for me to believe, even though Patino has been shrouded in controversy and scandal everywhere he has gone, and he's made plenty of enemies along the way. I mean, in college athletics, we have seen it time and time again proven out that universities, ADs, athletic departments will do anything it takes to win and hire a winner, no matter how bad their reputation is. And they will try anything to rationalize bringing in said winner. And look at some of the disgraced former coaches that have gotten jobs again, sometimes at their old schools like Bobby Petrino. So to me, it's hard to believe that schools, at least one, wouldn't be out there looking at him. I think there is, but perhaps Rick Petino has heard other things. Good luck in Greece, bud. We've been following this story for the last couple of days. The Houston Texans wanted to hire away Nick Casario from the Patriots front office to be their general manager. The Patriots said, no way and almost filed a tampering charge. So now there's been a report from Ben Volan of the Boston Globe, an NFL insider, that Casario has been unhappy and wants out of New England. However, apparently that wasn't a report. Apparently that was opinion. Here's Volan on Sports Radio 610 in Houston and the Triple Threat. We wouldn't have gotten to the point where we were on Friday afternoon if Nick Casario didn't want out, if Nick Casario didn't want this job. How would you characterize his level of patience to wait for this thing until after next year's draft? Is it possible he'll now push within the Patriots organization to get out sooner rather than later? I don't think he can. I think everyone's kind of agreed that his contract has this clause and they're not going to challenge it. and he. I'm sure when he agreed to that clause, even if it could eventually be invalidated, when he agreed to it, I'm sure he got extra money for it. Um, there's a trade-off always in these contracts. And so, it, you know, it sounds like Casario's resigned to his fate that he's going to be here for another year. Uh, there are certainly worse things in the world. He's the number two guy in the organization, uh, does a tremendous amount of things for the Patriots. And, oh, by the way, they basically win Super Bowls every year. <laughs> um, he's been with this team forever since 2001, you know, from the beginning of the dynasty. Um, so if he has to, in 19 years now, if he has to wait one more before he gets that coveted GM job, I, I think he's probably okay to do it. But, um, I, you know, it's just, this whole episode to me says that he's ready to move on. He's ready to spread his wings. You're seeing that from a lot of guys uh, already. Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, Chad O'Shea, all the guys I mentioned before. 
now it seems like Casario really wants to get out to Houston and spread his wings as well. Hey, before we let you go, Ben, is Casario a guy who's normally made available to the media up there, either during training camp or throughout the season? No, uh, very rarely. Okay. Um, we will we'll get him sometimes in that pre-draft press conference with the general manager, or this year he addressed, you know, after all three nights of the draft, I, I believe he was the one who took the podium. Um, but really that's about it. He only talks like once or twice a year, and that's the Patriot way. He, you know, Belichick is the one voice, and keep the other guys away from the microphone as much as they can. See, I don't know. I read that report. I read that story, and I did not think that was an opinion piece. It felt like that was being reported in facts, and Volan has certainly done a lot of good digging and good research in previous stories. Then to just assume this was opinion seems a little off the mark or illogical. I think probably what happened was Ben Volan did a really well-researched story, probably had really good sources, perhaps even Nick Casario reported what he th- what he had heard, what he had saw, what he believed was fact, and then got heat for the Patriots because this has been a testy story. The Pats didn't want to lose Casario and then had to walk it back because the Patriots front office, which is known to threaten or to try to intimidate media members, tried probably to do the same thing because in the original report, there was nothing there that made it seem like an opinion piece. Now, finally, what's better than hearing football players debate conspiracy theories like who walked on the moon? I mean, For the most part, I think people understand that we landed on the moon and that there's been other people on the moon as well. But for some reason, there's still this pretty dopey conspiracy theory out there that we never landed on the moon. It was all a fake. And so here's a couple of Ravens players, Matt Judon and Chris Wormley, who during minicamp got into this debate about whether or not we really did. Here's 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore in the Big Ben Morning Show. Judon believes the moon landing is fake, and a debate ensued between Judon and Chris Wormley on whether we actually landed on the moon, and these two went at it after the tweet. I had them together, and as Coach Harbaugh was at the podium, these guys are about 15 yards out back arguing over this. It was uh, shoe prints on the moon, right? How do we know the moon is not made out of concrete? Really? But how so you could play basketball know? on the moon. But how do we know? They just got up there. It was sandy. It could have. It, it could have. People have been since. But it could have been quicksand. It could have been quicksand. It would have sunk to death. That's what I'm saying. What do you mean? Did you learn this at Grand Valley State you, or not? Look. Okay. So. So. Look. So when you Chris firmly is doing. All right. So Warren. So if you step on the moon, you're gonna make an imprint. An imprint. The grass here. Okay. Look. The dirt here. You make an imprint. Okay. All right. You're gonna make an imprint. But you can stick a flag into the ground. So, so is it soft or not soft? The ground here is soft, and then when you stick something in it, it's going to give. Okay, look. It's no shoe imprint. But they was barely touching the ground. They was no gravity. To be determined. We'll debate on the air, but I mean, Matt. So, boom, it's going to stay. The sand will move, and then it will come out. Matt Judon, who was fired from NASA years ago before he, before he began his football career. And uh, fascinating, the, the facts that Matt Judon lays out as far as uh, space exploration. He's just laying some science on you. Yes, yeah, yeah. They, he's just laying some science. For, footprints. Fact, Twelve people have walked on the moon. Allegedly. Allegedly. According 12, to him. I think uh, <laughs> a couple of them still alive. And I tell you, I wouldn't want to say it to Buzz Aldrin because he, he, might, yeah. he might punch, punch you in the you face. face. Yeah. Don't you think that's kind of insulting to a guy that did that? Yeah, I would say so. Of course.
Yeah, of course. Unless, just to, Unless. Play just to play devil's advocate. All right, where's your evidence? I have was, no. Four I, of them still alive, I, by the way. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I'm not in the Judon camp here. I'm just saying. It, they were there. Where's the proof? Who is in Judon's camp? Oh, there I, are people. Oh, there's like, people out there. Besides Marlon Humphrey, it didn't seem like anyone else on the team was because he went. He did a complete 180. He talked about the moon being concrete, and then it could have been quicksand. So which one is it? Yeah, one or the other. He did go from concrete to quicksand pretty quickly. And he's not the only athlete out there. I mean, Steph Curry had said the same thing earlier this year until NASA set him straight. But I don't know where these theories come from. I really don't. And whether it be Fortnite. Kyrie Irving talking about the flat earth or Matt Judon talking about the fact that how do we know we landed on the moon? I just think it perpetuates a bad, bad lie. This is what happens when you play hours and hours of Fortnite every day. <laughs> yes. You start to come with up with conspiracy theories. Why is it such a question, though, Ed? You got me. I'm not, I'm not in this camp. Um, so there's been it was six missions. I mean, 12 people have walked on the moon. Other countries have sent, you know. Uh, there's the great space race up there. Yeah, it's uh, Kennedy's promise. We'd get to the moon before the Russians. And he did. I just. Judon had another theory about it. I guess we should listen to about gravity versus water. How hard can you hit something in the water? I'm the saying water to do that's bad. Comparison. What do you mean? How hard can you hit something in the water? It, but it's no gravity. So you, it's, it's no like force. No, it's gravity and water. It's, it's pressure. It's gravity on top so of water. So what are you saying? What is the water? But, but you can't, like, force something down. How, like, how hard can you hit in space? There are events. I don't know. Ask Neil. Call Neil. I, I don't know. We're going to take it to Neil or NASA yeah, or someone. I'm a, you know, I'm going to have to talk with him. we got man. six weeks to work this over. Yeah, true. I'm going to have to talk Thank to you. Neil. Yeah. Do yeah. some homework. He died in 2012. Research. So he could ask Buzz Aldrin. He can ask Aldrin. But three some others. of his theories are so cockamamie that I don't even think he believed them. I need to talk to Marlon Humphrey, who's put up subsequent subsequent tweets saying, yeah, I mean, <laughs> who took the picture? I think that was the first ever selfie stick, by the way. Uh, uh. <laughs> it was on a soundstage. But to think that it never occurred is insulting to the guys that risked their lives yeah. to get there. That's the point. All the people that, that were involved in the Apollo program. I mean, it's, you know, it's an incredible feat. It's just, I don't know where people get this from. They just, they throw things out there that are just so, so ill-informed. It just really, it's kind of embarrassing. Well, I think we're all just a little bit dumber now for having heard that. So hopefully that sends you into the rest of your Tuesday having to question everything in your life. That'll do it. The best of your sports talk for Tuesday, June the 18th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 